This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. This is the Coast and Country download from the BBC. You can find the terms and conditions on our website at www.bbc.co.uk forward slash radio 4. Today you can hear Open Country. Do you know what? I thought you'd be guarding the entrance to stop any intruders like me coming in. No? No. Because you're having a sword battle there with sticks and I think you're building some sort of a den, are you? Yeah, we're building weapons and sticks. And we're going to be having war with Christopher. That's the enemy on the far side of the wood there, is it? Enemy. Oh, my goodness. Big enemy. How dare you make weapons before us? That really takes me back, you know, playing in the woodland. I'm in a small forest in, in Gloucestershire. And really, you could be in any decade, couldn't you? Because children have found pleasure and adventure and fun in woodlands forever. And there's the adventure here, but there's also the investigation of the detail and the wonder of the wood. It is all here around us. It became clear just how treasured our woodlands are to us. Back in 2010, the government proposed to sell off or lease out state-owned woodland in England. And there was such a public outcry that they actually had to scrap the idea. So for this week's Open Country, I've come to Gloucestershire to see how our young people, how children, large and small, are seeing and using our woodlands. We was uh, exploring the forest and looking at all of the animals and we saw a red deer. In the woodland you see rabbits and creepy crawlies and stuff. I was chasing a rabbit around the place, <laughs> but he jumped into the tree. I caught four bugs. We learned the names of all the trees and how many And we collected all the leaves and... There's one like a loaf ant. Do you get to do things in the forest that you wouldn't normally get to do anywhere else? Quite a lot. Building dens and having fun climbing trees. Is the teacher not down below going, oh, no, be careful? No, no, no. no. I hear you get to use tools like saws and axes. Yeah, we did. That's our whistle. That's our whistle. Oh, we have to respond. Quick. Come on, you guys. The woods that we're in um, are near Barclay in Gloucestershire and we're attached to what would be like a farm theme park and this area of woodland is being used as a forest school and Craig Tucker you are the man who is in charge of this experience in the woodland so should we take a little wander around you can tell me about it let's do that yeah what exactly is a forest school well a forest school is is still relatively new as far as the UK goes um, the kind of the idea is it's taken its basis from um, the way children are educated in Scandinavia where they won't generally sit down and, and be said right then guys this is a maths lesson or this is an English lesson until they're seven years old those first seven real informative years of their life are spent outside in woodlands learning through play taking risk and generally all the studies point to by the time they leave school at 16 they're better qualified and they're happier than their UK counterparts. Because of being in a forest environment? Well, that's what they think it's all about. So tell me about this particular woodland you've got, Craig. Uh, Well, this particular woodland is about 15 years old. There used to be play equipment in here in terms of monkey bars and things like that. But we wanted to get rid of all of those things, strip it back to just being a natural wild space. 
So you then have things like you've made your own ladders out of yeah. bits of, of, of log and yeah. crossbars. You're, there is a scattering of wood on the floor where you know bugs and creepy crawlies will thrive. We've got nettles, which would normally be cleared away if there are children about. What do you do with the children? Everything we do is led by the children. So we might start a session with the idea of wanting to develop their interpersonal skills and develop their relationships together. But in terms of how that actually manifests itself will be led by what the children want to do earlier on today but two chaps were working together to build themselves a little assault course out some rope uh, what i did to kind of facilitate that was show them a, a really strong knot so they could get started and then they worked together to to kind of find the course and to make it strong to pull it tight and help each other out and use that knot to tie it off at an each and every link from my point of view why i find my job so satisfying the their look of satisfaction, the fact that they'd completed something challenging, which initially they thought was really hard. But why does it make a difference for this to happen in a woodland where we're surrounded by trees and you know it's rough underfoot? And... Well, I think classrooms are generally a boring place. They're only interesting if someone with a bit of creativity and a bit of time and a bit of effort puts in the time and effort to put up fantastic displays and to make it interactive and to, and to bring life to it. Out here, it is exciting. It is every time you come, something different has happened. You know, whether it's the animals that call it home, whether it's the way the trees change over seasons, just the nature of being a wild space. Or a hazel and a rowan. So a little game for you to play is a bit like bingo, all right? I know I said we've got 15 trees in woodpecker wood. I've got nine of them on this sheet here. And the best way to spot the difference between trees is by their leaf, all right? And you'll notice that some of them, like these two, look quite similar. But if you look closely and carefully, you'll notice how they're different. Who's your partner going to be Finley? Adam. Adam, off you go. That one. Pick one, let's see which one it would match. This one. You think that's a hawthorn? Ah, uh, you think so? Have another look. Have a look at the tree. It looks like that. It looks like you. Oak. You're right. Oak. Yes. Yeah. Good. That's one done. So one Eight. to go. Tell me now. See, this is such an unusual classroom, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. What do you like about it? Um, um it's, it's open to the whole place. It's yeah. not cooped inside, so you're boiling it's hot. It's not just like boring seats and chairs. You get to do like more interesting yeah. stuff. The group who have been so active here in and around this little bit of woodland are from Holy Family Catholic Primary School and I'm with Acting Deputy Head Caroline Carter. Now you've come from just outside Bristol to be here in this particular woodland. That's correct, yeah. It's something that we run throughout the year. The children have forest school sessions as part of the timetable. For example, my year sixes, every Friday afternoon, we do our learning outside of the classroom in our forest school sessions. We play games, we teach them about knots, we've had campfires. But what we're lacking on our site is a collection of established trees. So at least once a term, our aim is to bring the children out of school so they can actually experience a forest and see that through the changing seasons. What is it about being in this sort of environment? It's about giving them those childhood experiences that we probably had, but children today don't necessarily. A lot of their play goes on inside. We noticed that children aren't coming in with a particularly high level of communication skills and we feel that by taking them outside of the classroom environment we'll give them opportunities and stimulus to develop communication. Yeah, but why a woodland? There's something magical about coming out to the woodland. The children behave in a completely different manner. I mean, a lot of them have never, never seen a collection of trees like this before and 
those that have, it, it seems to fire up their imaginations and, and get them working in a completely different way. Does it help you as a teacher? Has it changed your thinking as a teacher? <laughs> it's completely changed my thinking. My head approached me about becoming, doing the forest school training with her. It was very unlikely that it would be me. I'm the person with the tidy hair and nails and everything in school. I'm not an outdoorsy type at all. So I sat in my very first training session where we had to just reminisce about places we played as a child and the benefits that we got from that play. And that one session completely changed my whole viewpoint about forest schools because you realise that, you know, yes, there was a little stream where we used to make rope swings and we did play outdoors. And my own children today don't have those opportunities because you don't let them have that freedom because of safety concerns. And I think... Yes, it has completely changed my outlook. There's no way two years ago I thought I'd be sitting here getting muddy and playing with sticks. <laughs> Just the nature of being a wild space, it is exciting, interesting, stimulating place to be. <laughs> Bet the kids are stimulated when they get hold of this. Tools An and... Axe. Look at how sharp it is. Tools are a kind of a big part of forest school because it's actually it's, it's all about that kind of skill of there are some things we want to achieve that we can't achieve unless we've got those things to help us. Um, and the area we're standing in now is, is kind of roped off and the kids are taught right from the beginning that we don't cross a rope unless we're with an adult. So straight away they're kind of learning that responsibility to use these tools in a safe way. And hopefully they'll come away from that with a respect for these kinds of tools like the axes we use, the knives we use, and maybe steer away from those kind of things when they grow up to teenagers and peer pressure starts to have its place. How did you get into this? I did my teacher training up in Worcestershire where forest school is, is really, really big. So when I came back down to Bristol, I kind of looked at the children that I was teaching and thought, do you know what, these are the guys that don't have those experiences on their doorstep. They, they kind of almost need it more. And I started looking for ways to bring forest school to the children I taught and really, really struggled to find people who count me as an inexperienced teacher. So that led me to thinking, well, if no one else is doing it, maybe I should. So I went off and have done my forest school leaders training and now have set up School in the Forest as a business to try and take that experience to as many schools as possible. I hope that by giving children these kind of enriching play learning experiences they start to see woodland as a great place to be in so that when they grow up and the council say they're going to cut down all of those trees to to build houses they might actually care enough to go do you know what woodlands are a great place and i don't want to get rid of that because of all the memories i had when i was a kid and all of the skills that i learned so hopefully it might have a knock-on effect to developing citizens for the future So when we got here, it was actually just the, um, this was the end of the field, and it was just a sort of arable field that had been farmed and worked and ploughed and planted and all the rest of it, so we've basically sort of planted everything that you can see above ground level really, so all these hedges and things. And then beyond that, I can see the emerging woodland woodland. that is now your back garden because here I am (laughs) outside Tetbury with James Shrives and I've come from a woodland which was attached to a theme park and children were just having such a great time in to a place where you as an individual have decided you wanted to create your own woodland. Yeah, I quite enjoy walking in woodland and, and, and where we've lived before we were around woodland. And it was just a, a bit of a dream, I suppose, to, to be able to sort of plant your own. 
And unfortunately, we're never going to be old enough to see it in its truly mature sense. But there is still a huge sense of achievement and thrill in seeing these things turn from little saplings to more mature and growing plants, really. Yes. uh, Can we go in and and explore it ourselves? When did you start the woodland, James? Almost as soon as we got here. It was the first thing we did. So that was the winter of 2005 and, and beginning of 2006. A few years' growth really is very visible in trees when they're young, isn't it? And just now, oh, they're, they're way above my head height and your birches are towering up about, what, almost like 15 feet? Your paths cut through it. Oh, it is, it's a lovely feeling already. What's really fascinating is how some things have really settled down and, and done well. We've really overplanted here, so I mean, we've crammed them in. That was the plan, because the more you put in, the more you create an environment that suppresses the competition underneath. So what have you put in? So we've got, well, here we've got hazel there, we've got silver birch, we've got beech there, which is a taller one. Mm -hmm. Is that a rowan or or an ash behind you? Mountain ash rowan, yes, absolutely there, one spotted. There's one up beyond there, it looks almost exotic. Well, that's one of my favourites, because that's uh, a sweet chestnut. Well, we can show you some, some sort of stunted sweet chestnuts that really haven't you know, done very much at all. But this one is just thriving. You know, look at that. I mean, that's coming up for eight years old. Mm-hmm. So what size have you planted up? Oh, only just over an acre. And um, how many trees then? Probably a thousand. So, yeah, over <laughs> That's an awful lot. <laughs> all planted by yourselves. And... Pretty much, pretty much, yeah, yeah tricky to get away from noise and we don't get away from it entirely here but you can get a little bit away from it here yeah bit of sanctuary i was with the children in a woodland you know obviously young children exploring and, and loving the woodland but i think maybe you're quite young at heart that you love this sense of being in the wood just as much as they did oh yeah <laughs> no, always always go you know never turn up the opportunity to go camping in a wood <laughs> it's just this one's on our back doorstep the narrow path through the trees this dense planting, you know, it, it, forests, woodlands are very often maintained landscapes. Yes. You're going to have to I get know, in there. But not for a few years yet. But there's still room. I think we've still got, you know, three or four or perhaps five years before we have to start selecting some to be taken out. And mm. that's, that's going to be hard, I think, especially where you've got some really good specimens next door to each other. And here we've got a field maple. I love field maple. That's um, one of my favourite trees. Horse chestnut here and a birch, you know, only feet away. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to make some harsh decisions at some point. It is wonderful if you have the opportunity to create your own woodland, to have it on your doorstep, to look at it, be in it every day of your life. But that's a privilege that few can really get. So... How do people access woodlands and forest areas? They have to rely on places being open to the public. And where I am now, I'm going to stop for just a moment. We've come up the hill. We're on the Ashton Court estate, which is on the edge of Bristol. And I'm with Ingrid Skeels. And look, what a great view down over the lush um, native woodland and then the tall conifers, which were creaking in the wind as they do. This is your place. It is, yeah. We're we're very lucky because you can see from looking that way that we're quite close to the city centre. And yet, by walking through the park and coming up here, we're suddenly in countryside. And you arrived before me and your teenage children... (laughs) And a few others have darted off into the woods, so we're going to have to go and find them. Yeah. Well, we've been coming here since they were babies, really. 
and this you know we use sort of tiny patches of green space closer to home but this is our way of really getting away from it all maybe we have to go around here and then up okay and they used to play here in all weathers at all times when they were little were you with them though Ingrid when they were really little I'd be right close to them but as they got older they'd kind of wander further and further and now of course they come up here on their own and why did you want to encourage that so much for them to come here and be in this place and as we're going up the hill it's becoming more and more dense with vegetation some of my strongest richest memories of childhood are all outdoors and often in wild places like meadows or woodland as opposed to kind of organized parks and I think children's lives since I was little have become increasingly restricted really and penned in you know in playgrounds play areas are fenced off I just wanted to give them some of that wildness and colour that I had when I was growing up. Did you have wildness and colour in the woodland when you were growing up? I did. What was it? I what did. Well, it? I actually I grew up in Nottingham. I was very lucky in two ways. One is that I went to a very experimental state primary school called Ed Walton Primary, where the head had arranged for there to be farm animals and we had a little woodland and we had a lot of our lessons outside and we just had quite a wild education really and then the other thing is that we used to go on holiday to Wales a lot in a cottage which had woodland all around it so my sister and I would kind of ramble and roam and, um, and you still want your children to have that sense of adventure and freedom in the woods I do. that yeah. goes against a lot of what's happening in society today when people are young children are much more cosseted and protected possibly yeah, I mean, I think there are lots of very genuine worries, particularly around traffic, for letting children play out and roam freely. And, of course, there's also stranger danger, although that has become almost a kind of hysterical fear, really. Although we're up at Ashton Court and it's absolutely beautiful and you can walk here from the city, children can find little corners of wildness even in the middle of the city. You don't even have to be able to do this. It's more about a way of looking at it for your children and giving them that sense of freedom and wander even on your own street you can find little tiny clues of nature and mm-hmm. wildness but it can't beat this like this, this no. mound is really steep you know there's so much to kind of see and find and make and do almost at a kind of strangely practical level but also there's something really magical about woodland i think that goes back to sort of fairy tales we were told when we were little you know and there's a sort of scary part of that about not going off the path and being lost in the forest, but also a really magical bit about the birds and the animals that talk to you. I'd go and find these children of yours. Yeah, <laughs> they are up here. Oh, wow, we've come to the crest of the hill. And I know that you have Eve and Joe. Yes. And there's some other kids helping them. Yes. They have started to put the roof on a den using all the, the branches that the folk. Oh. <laughs> oh dearie me <laughs> it's collapsed yes the roof has fallen in but that's all right they can begin again <laughs> i am sorry we arrived at the wrong moment or the right um, was that very disappointing to see it collapse around you we'll rebuild it whose fault was it Jones. hands up it was you yeah what's your Jones. name you're joe and eve yes. hello nice to meet you and you've got friends with you who's this Mary. Mary, hello. And Tom. And Tom, Tom. hello. So you're going to start again. Tell me how you're going to do this. We, we fixed it with um, bits no. of ivy. 
-hmm. So that's like your twine yeah. binding. And then we're just going to make sure that this time the branch, because we had a branch running across here, we're going to make sure that it's firmly in. Because mm -hmm. we had the basic frame, but it wasn't very strong. So you've got your main beams act like two sides of a triangle, yeah. going from this tall stump to the tree, yeah. and then across to another spindly beech tree there. Yeah. So that's the frame of the roof, and you're going yeah. to start again. Yeah, hopefully stronger. <laughs> so yeah. you come here lots of times, you and your sister? Yeah, all the time, like for picnics and playing in the woods, and we played like cricket down on there and ran around the trees, trying to be Indians and things like that. <laughs> Oh, that's a heavy lift for you. Yeah. Oh, well done. What is it about the place, Eve? It's a, it's a mixture of lots of things, because there's a pond, there's a meadow, there's a woods. It's a bit like an escape from everyone, friends, school friends as well, because at the park there's a lot of people we know, and here you don't really see anyone, so it's a bit more empty. It's like you're in your own little world. Yeah. It's attracted quite a crowd, this building of the den. And Kate, you are a friend of Ingrid's. I am, yes. And this is a regular place you come with your lovely golden lab here. Hello. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've come here all my life. I was brought up, I live just 10 minutes walk away. So I, I came here as kids with my parents, and uh, we've got our own special family tree that we call the Lee Tree. Do you? I've brought my kids too. And where is your family tree? Through the other part of the woods. The tree's still the same, but it's harder to climb it now because it's got a lot more bushes around the bottom when I was a child we'd climb up around the side and then we'd jump off the tree into my dad's arms at the bottom and then when I brought my kids it's like a ritual thing and they all tell their friends oh this is our tree it's a family tree nobody else has claimed it it is still I believe it's still our tree <laughs> I hope so wow it's ingenious and I suppose the time just passes so quickly when they're in here. And Yeah, I mean, my memory from when they were little is that, like I said, often there'd be a reluctance to come up here or to get outside. You know, the children do naturally gravitate towards screens. But once you get up here, something different kind of comes over their mental attitude and their behaviour and their being almost. It's just like they go into a bit of a different mode. And I just think it's very peaceful and... Nurturing The idea of a woodland, I know, is very close to your heart. I can hear that in what you're talking about. But Ingrid, you're an author and you've put your thoughts into a book, St Cuthbert's Wild School for Boys. The idea for that story actually came from a, a day when we were around a friend's house when Joe and Eve were much smaller and they'd had quite a kind of stuffy day in school and then we were stuck inside for the evening and they were just kind of going crazy around the house and I just suddenly said to Joe, you know, just calm down, stop jumping on everything, otherwise we'll have to send you to St Cuthbert's Wild School for Boys. I just kind of said it in that moment. And then him and his friend just turned around and went, what's that? And so I just started writing this story, and it was really about a boy who was kind of Joe, but then became lots of boys, really, that I've come across, whose school life and home life was very restricted, you know, in terms of lessons being very target-driven and all inside and he gets the chance to go to this amazing school where it's completely different and he has big adventures there the finished building the den should we risk going in and sitting under the roof and i can hear a little bit from st cuthbert's wild school for boys and the character jack jack yes yep come inside this way jack vinnie called looking back through the trees but jack had come to a complete standstill now it wasn't only nerves. No, these had been overtaken, massively overtaken, by a feeling of total awe at what he could see before him. He gasped. It was like looking for a cat and finding a lion. 
For there in the clearing where he had expected, what, a little camp in the bushes, was a truly vast old oak tree stretching high into the sky and on its many branches was the biggest and most amazing treehouse that Jack had ever seen. Or was it houses? There were so many levels and platforms and ropes and ladders and pulleys and swings that at first Jack didn't even register the boys that were all over it too. It was like a castle, a fort, a small village, a settlement high up in the trees. He gazed, tilting his head back to take it all in. Hello. A boy, tall and blonde, jumped down from the lowest branch in front of him and, wiping his muddied hand on his plain white shirt, held it out to Jack. I'm Wilf. Welcome to our den. He grinned proudly. What do you think? Isn't it so important for us to acknowledge that our children need to have access at some point in their lives and for as much time in their lives as possible to get into the woods and there the adventure begins.